Good morning. Thanks for trying something new, kids. I used to be a children's pastor, so children's sermons were my specialty. And I think sometimes the grown-ups got more from the children's sermon than they did from the actual sermon, (laughs) in my opinion. So, happy 4th of July. Did any of you, did any of you do anything fun yesterday? I feel like last year we didn't have a lot of fun. (laughs) And so I think this year we're all catching up on a lot of fun. Um, I heard there was parades, um, barbecues. I think people are enjoying being at pools, lakes, all those things. I came back from our cabin this morning. My husband's parents have a cabin in northwestern Wisconsin, and um, we got to be with family yesterday that we hadn't been with in like, well, since before COVID, and it just felt so joyous. So I feel like God is giving us a lot of joy right now and helping us to catch up on things. So that's really good. So um, if you haven't been here before, welcome. Um, We are in the midst of a series on transformation like Chris noted. Um, Today we are going to be talking about transformed lives. And I've just felt really excited this past week preparing this sermon, just thinking about um, my own transformation of how God has been working in my life from start to where I am now and how he's not done with it, and how each of us are in the, in the middle of a journey, and until we breathe our last breath, he's working in us, and, and if we let him, we get to keep seeing something more and more beautiful each day. One of my favorite verses um, is this one in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's this, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone, and the new is here. I'm wondering if you've ever met somebody um, but you knew them earlier in life, and then you got to see them later in your life, and you were like, whoa, you look totally different. Or in your head, you're like, you don't say that out loud. You're like, you look totally different. Um, I remember going to my, I think it was my 20-year high school reunion, <laughs> and a few of like the people, my classmates, I'm like, I would never have known you in a million years if you didn't have a name tag on because they had changed so much. Um, and some for the good, some for the not so good. But you could see where sometimes we change happens gradually, and sometimes change is, is um, remarkably fast. I, I think I had told you all last week, my sister has, in the last two years has um, really just owned her health, and she's lost like 100 pounds. And, and if you saw her from then to now, you'd be like, whoa, something amazing has happened with her. And I know she sees people she hasn't seen in a while, and they're like, oh, my goodness, what has happened to you? Um, and it's, it's really awesome. There's other people where change, like with our children, change is gradual. We don't just have a child one day, the next day they're, you know, 60 years old, and, and it's happened. The change is gradually happening, and they're growing and growing. Um, my 10-year-old, Drew, who's the youngest, um, we noticed that in from May until last week, he grew one inch. You know, we, we have um, Sharpie markers on the, on the wall in our kitchen, and he was like, Mom, I grew an inch. And it was pretty measurable because I realized yeah, we had to buy some new pants. He looked like the flood was coming. Um, you know, it, it, and it happened. It's like, but I didn't see it happening every day. Like, oh, you've grown a centimeter. Let's, let's get you to that inch. So growth, growth and transformation happens in different ways. Um, in the example of the butterfly, and I think I have that back up here, um, the thing about butterflies are so amazing as they start out with the caterpillar, and caterpillars are all, you know, different sorts and kinds, um, and then this process happens, and I always think about, like, how 
amazing God is as a designer where he created everything and everything has a purpose and, and a way to do things. But when does the caterpillar know, oh, time to eat a lot. Oh, time to spin this chrysalis around me. Oh, time to just sit here and wait and wait and wait. Like, how do they know? But somehow they know and something emerges that's new and completely different. And I think it's such a good reminder for us of when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. And, and the old part of us goes away and the new part of us emerges as something new and different. Um, thinking about your own faith journey, that might be a good thing to just kind of hang on to the back of your head of when did I start to realize Jesus was doing something in me, and he was changing me. Um, kind of like the caterpillar, like, oh, something's, something's changing, something's happening. And then when did I respond, and when did I notice something new had emerged and was different? In the book of Acts, we're, we're going to be working through Acts, just like a fun fact. Um, we are going to be in the book of Acts until this, the first week of September. And the, the series is called Transformation. And so last week it was Transformed Identities. This week it's Transformed Lives. And in Acts chapter 3, which is the precursor to um, the passage that Chris read this morning, I just want to catch you up a little bit about what Peter and John did. So in Acts chapter 3, if you want to grab your Bible, grab your Bible app or just listen, it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer three in the afternoon. It's kind of fun for us to think about that there were set times of prayer that devout Jewish um, people followed. They, they went nine, they went noon, they went at three. So they were going up to pray, which was not abnormal for them. It was what they did in their practice um, of honoring God. They saw a man who was lame from birth, so somehow he had a disability that had made him not able to walk to probably contribute to society, to probably do all the things that, you know, he had missed out on as a child. And he was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And I kind of pause there because I've thought about, I don't know that I've known anybody that's been, has a story like this. I know that every day when we're driving, we see people that have signs, help me, you know, at the off-ramps. It seems that that's the place we see it more often. I know when I was in Denver um, for a meeting, I was absolutely shocked. If you've ever been to Denver before, Denver has a huge population of homeless people. And they've got these medians running up and down the street of people begging and asking for money and, and things. So this is something that we see in our world too. But this man was put there every day. You think, like, how long did that start? How long, how long had his story been like that? When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he did what he did probably to anybody. He asked them for money. And this is the, the, the amazing part is Peter, you know, maybe Peter did have some, maybe he didn't. It says he didn't. I don't think Peter's lying. <laughs> but he says, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. They gave him attention. And I thought about this too, oftentimes when I'm driving in my car in that off-ramp and I see somebody off to the side, I don't give them my attention. Usually I look busy. I, <laughs> I fiddle with something. All of a sudden I have, oh, there's a phone call to make. Or I just pretend like they're not there and I don't look off to the side at them as they will often stare right at you. So Peter and John do something unexpected. They say, look at us. So the man gave his attention and looked at them expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, 
Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. It wasn't just like a gradual, like, okay, hang on. I'll get up slowly. It was instant. Feet and ankles, boom, strong. He gets up. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. I thought about this. I learned a children's song when I was little. I don't know if any of you are remembering the story. You can laugh at me if you want, but it was like, Peter and John went to pray. Anybody? No? Yep. They met a lame man on the way. He asked for alms and held out his palms, and this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And this was the best part. He went walking and leaping, and, we, and that was the part that we did in Sunday school. I, I would, if I wasn't up here, I would show you like the walking and leaping a lot better, but I shouldn't do that right now. But that song has been in my head my whole life, and you think about the instant that something different happened to him, he was praising God. He wasn't just like, oh, this is good. He reacted immediately. Went into the temple courts. He didn't go home. He didn't go anywhere else. He went right into the temple to praise and thank God and show everybody. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they were like, huh, that's the guy that used to be there asking us for money every day, shaking us out for money. And now he's sitting here praising God. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So this is what happens, and Peter, Peter is asked to account for it. In verse 11, while the man held on to Peter and John, I'm sure he was just trying to process what's just happened. I've had this transformation that didn't go from like chrysalis of like boom, 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 boom. It went from boom to boom. Two, two huge changes. They wanted to know what had happened, and Peter saw this, and he addressed the crowd. He said, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we've made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. He, they pointed to Jesus. And then he reminds them, and this is something that we should pause at, you handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. So this, this kind of hit me of like, this was probably the same crowd that demanded the life of Jesus. And now the people there are getting to see what Jesus is continuing to do, even though he's dead and has risen. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. So it's really important to think about this. At the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the paralyzed man was healed, he jumped, he leaped, and he praised God, and everyone saw it. It was immediate and dramatic. The word transformation in the dictionary means a thorough and dramatic change in form or appearance, which is evident in this story. It's important for us to think about the followers of Jesus began to do exactly what Jesus told them that they would do in John 14, when Jesus was talking to them before his death, he said to them in 14, verse 12, he said, um, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. 
and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for me anything in my name, and I will do it. The irony in this part of the story in Acts is that when we think about the disciples who were at the resurrection, we think about Peter, and if you know your Bible, Peter had been bold, outspoken, he had no filter, he was noted as being impulsive. Um, I'm, almost, I'm a therapist also, and so I, I think about Peter, and I'm like, he probably was a child with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. He, he was impulsive. He, impulsivity is the part of that one where you do first, and then you, then you think and regret later sometimes. He would jump first, and then he would look. And also, Peter had this in his story. He had sworn up and down he would go to the end with Jesus. And then in John 18, which is such a hard part to read, is that we see Peter scared because Jesus has been arrested, and he, he denies knowing Jesus. He swears, I do not know that man. And then the resurrection happens. Peter encounters Jesus again and is reinstated by Jesus, which we see the dialogue between them in John chapter 18, when Jesus has breakfast on the beach with his disciples. In John 18, Jesus meets with Peter again. I'm sorry, John 21. And we have this beautiful moment where they finish eating, and I wonder if the conversation, the awkward conversation has come up where Jesus is like, so Peter, last time we talked, last time I saw you, you totally denied knowing me. What's up with that? Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Simon, Peter, says, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt, I'm sure, and he's like, okay, I know that we had the whole denial thing, but can we get past that? Can, we, can you not keep kind of bringing that up? And he says, Lord, <clears throat> you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went, went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he turned to him and said, follow me. So Peter had an, a complete transformation with Jesus. And then we bounce back to him, him talking to the crowd, him addressing the crowd, and talking to everybody about who Jesus is and how the, the transition, the transformation that's just happened to this man is because of Jesus. So important thing for us to think about today is, as we apply this to us, as we look back, is that the disciples' lives were transformed by the resurrection of Jesus, and they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Peter says this, he goes, don't think that this is us. This is because of Jesus. And the same for us. We have to remember something, that in our own lives, and our own stories, transformation can be immediate, and it can be gradual. Um, I've been thinking about, I don't know if any of you listen to KTS, but um, sometimes I wake up in the morning and there's a song in my head. And this whole past week, um, I don't know if Jamie can bring this up, this song has been in my head this whole week and I'll, I'll let you all listen to it. Yeah. 
Is it not cooperating? Okay. Um, it's, if you want to look it up later, it's Matthew West and Casting Crowns. It's called I'm Just a Nobody. And there's this part of the song that says, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about the one who saved my soul. And, and it's really a fun story about the disciples and the resurrection, but also about how we are those nobodies trying to tell everybody about Jesus. And that is what the disciples did. I think another important thing about this story is to think about that the disciples, Peter and John, were recognized because they had been with Jesus. Um, have you ever been with somebody or in a crowd and they're like, oh, you look like so-and-so. Has this ever happened to any of you? My friend, Mike, Mike's over there all the time. Um, I, I, I think it's kind of fun to think about, like, who's your doppelganger? That's like, who's the person that you look like? Um, I was going to put a fun picture up there, but they were all like weird and overlap. Like apparently Nicolas Cage has like a doppelganger that's like, like a, it looks like a Civil War soldier or something. But I think it's important to think about when we are recognized by who we're with and who we spend time with. My doppelganger is um, Miss Honey. I was at a park one day and this little girl came up to me and she goes, are you Miss Honey? And I was so confused because I'm like, nope, I'm Carrie. I've never seen you before. And I'm kind of alarmed because I don't want, you know, like to talk to children that I don't know in the park. And she starts telling me the story about the trunch bowl and about the school and Miss Honey. And I was like, this sounds like a child protective services report I have to make. And then I realized she's talking about the movie Matilda. And I was like, oh, and I'd never seen it. So apparently Miss Honey is the nice teacher in the movie. So thank God I was not called, are you the trunch bowl? That would have been really bad. Um, but then I look, I, I'm like, I have to see this. And, and I'm like, I, I could see a little bit where I could look like Miss Honey. Miss Honey's much skinnier than I am. I think she has a better nose than I have. But there was some resemblance. Thing and thing about thing with us, though, is that the more that we spend time with Jesus, the more that we grow in our walk with him, we start to look like him. And it's really beautiful. We see this in two times in Acts 3. Um, it says that the, the disciples were recognized because they had been with Jesus. Then, and again, in chapter 4, it says the people recognized that they had been with Jesus. In 4 verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. I think that is like going to be the highest compliment in my life that will happen someday. They'll be like, you have been with Jesus. And that is why you look the way you do. So for us, and, and this is, again, it's always looking back to look into the here and now. The disciples were distinctive. People recognized they'd been with Jesus. And remember this, his life, death, and resurrection transformed the early followers of Jesus from disciples. We talked about this last week, to witnesses, and now to transformed. I want you to be thinking about some things, the applications for this week is my life is transformed when first of all, I spend time with Jesus. Secondly, the Holy Spirit transforming fear to courage that I might have. And third, the lives of others will be transformed because of Jesus in me. Um, I, I think it's important we tell stories in our, in our circles um, and I got permission from my friend Callie and her husband Stephen to share a little bit about their story. Um, you might have that one up next. So this is um, my friend Stephen. And um, can you show the next one please, Jamie? And then that's their family. So that's Callie. Callie and I work together and she is just amazing. And those are their three children. And um, so the first one you go back to, there's Stephen. Um, Callie and Stephen have a tremendous story. Um, they haven't been married very long, but um, 
about two months ago, I was sitting in the auto shop repair place and there was a newspaper on the, on the coffee table and there's this picture, or back one, sorry, the first one, that one. And that was in our local um, newspaper in Owatonna. And I knew a little bit about Stephen's story, but Stephen is all about telling everybody about his story. And Stephen, up until like, was it two and a half, three years ago, was um, before a judge in drug court, in trouble for, um, for drug possession. And his life had not been going in the right direction. It was, it was not going with Jesus. It was going away from Jesus. And, and his, he, he shares his story of how Jesus got a hold of his life and Jesus completely changed his life. And now Stephen's whole purpose in life is to tell everybody about Jesus and tell everybody this, the, the work and the love and everything that Jesus has done for him. Um, and, and it was in the, in the newspaper, and it was so awesome to read it. I was sitting there, I'm like, oh, oh. I was, I was just like sh- shouting to myself, and they're like, are you okay, ma'am? I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just happy right now. Um, because it was so exciting to see how he is, he's boldly sharing what Jesus has done for him. Um, he's now, he works at a local um, store in our community, but he's also, um, um, he is training to be a pastor, and he's called their resident pastor at, at their church in Owatonna. And my friend Callie um, is a worship leader in the church, and, um, and her, and she's also a therapist. And so her, her story is also pretty incredible. Um, if you can bring up the next slide after that one. Um, I, asked, I asked Callie, because one day we were talking about how we had come to know Christ, and she just said something to me that caught me. She said, Jesus totally transformed my life. So I've been thinking about them this past week, and I asked for permission. I said, can you just put into a few words what Jesus has done for you? And, and this is what she gave me to share. Um, she texted me this. She said, what continues to come to my mind is, I was arrested five years ago for a DWI. And I was sitting in the holding cell thinking, why can't they see that I don't belong here? And I would have said the same thing to her. If, if you see her, you're like, you don't belong in a, in a cell like that. And she said, and then it dawned on me that people don't just go to jail for no reason. That I did something that made me to belong in jail. And Jesus freed me from that jail cell. Not just the physical place, but of the physical, emotional, spiritual, heart-issued jail cells. She took it to the bigger jail cell. The one that says why we need Jesus. He showed me how to live. Like you know when you have a small child and you throw the child up in the air and catch them and there's total trust and just pure joy for that child. That's what it's like now. And, and I just, and I, if they're watching, thank you, Callie and um, Stephen for giving permission to share your story, but that's a total transformation. And now they've got these three beautiful children and life is on a completely different trajectory. And they are, they are making a big impact in our community. And, and thinking about just the trajectory of their own children, of how God is working in them, is pretty amazing. So I want you to just take a minute think about your own story. Each of us come from different places. Some of us, we've known Jesus our whole life, and, and he's been there the whole time, and we've been walking with him. Some of us, we've been very far from God, and then there's been a moment of, God, my life is a mess. I've tried to do it my way, and I need you, and I can't do it without you. Um, I think we all have come to a point where we, we have to either say, Jesus, I need you, and, and that's the most beautiful part of, of anybody's story, or the people that say, nope, I'm good on my own, and we're not good on my own, we, and they reject him. And so for us today, I, I want to just ask you, where are you at with your acceptance of Jesus, letting him um, change you from the inside out? Um, where has he been in your story? Um, how has he continued to change you? 
So I've got, I got a reflection for the week, and um, we're going to start doing some things on social media just to engage um, community and to help us keep working out what God is doing with us on Sunday, between Sundays. And um, we're going to put out some questions, and if people want to chime in, you can share, you know, do that. But the reflection for this week is, um, what ways do I notice the transformative work of Jesus in my life? And you can think past and present. And these are just some things to just hang on to and, um, you know, you can chew on for the, for the week. But what ways do you notice? Because sometimes it's kind of like my son Andrew where all of a sudden we're like, oh my goodness, you grew like an inch in a month. Like, how did this happen? And, and we just notice it because his, you know, our pants are <laughs> going up past our ankles and they look funny. It's not fashion. It's like you're growing. Um, or what do I notice ways where Jesus has changed me and now I'm not the same? I, I think about... Um, how Jesus has continued to transform my fearfulness to, to trust and courage. Um, I'm trusting him more and more and stepping out for him more and more. So this week, just pay attention to that. Think about it. Um, ask him to help you with it. And maybe when you see a butterfly, just be reminded that you have been in a process of transformation um, and he is with you in it. And as you flutter around and fly, um, Think about the transformation that you are going to be doing into other people's lives as well. Um, I'd like to close in a group prayer this morning. Um, this is from Hannah, Hannah Whittle-Smith. Um, the Blue Book, some of you might be familiar with the Blue Book. It's the, I think there's a green book here. There's also a Blue Book. This is in the Blue Book. Um, and I invite you just to pray this with me out loud if you, if you want to. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are able and willing to deliver me from all the care and unrest and bondage of my Christian life. I believe that you died to set me free, not only in the future, but now and here. I believe you are stronger than sin, and you can keep me, even me, in my extreme weakness from falling in its snares or yielding obedience to its commands. And Lord, I'm going to trust you to keep me. I have tried keeping myself and have failed failed grievously. I am absolutely helpless, so now I will trust you. I keep back no reserves. Body, soul, and spirit, I present myself to you as a piece of clay to be fashioned into anything you love and your wisdom shall choose. And now I am yours. I believe you do accept that which is present to you. I believe that this poor, weak, foolish heart has been taken possession by you and you have at this very moment begun to work in me to will and to do of your good pleasure. I trust you utterly, and I trust you now. Amen.